Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. This time of year has got such a library of memories for all of us. You think back to great times when the wonder of being a child and toys and laughter and family. It's a time of stress, oh my goodness, of to-do lists and shopping malls and bills. And the expectations we bring are always different. Of course, one of the strange things at this time of the year is you bring family members together that have not seen each other for quite a while, and that's called challenging, particularly for any of us that think back to the first time that our kids went off to college. Uh, so this is a letter a girl wrote. This is some years ago I read this. She was coming back from college, and she wrote, Dear Mom and Dad, before I come home for the holidays, I thought I'd catch you up with things. Not to worry, they're going really great. The fire in the apartment last month didn't do as much damage as it could have. I'm recovering just fine from hitting my head, jumping out the back door. In fact, the cute paramedic was so nice and concerned he let me stay at his place. I really do think we're going to have a simple wedding, so don't worry about the expenses. I can't wait to name the baby after one of you. In closing, don't worry. There was no fire, no accident, no paramedic. I'm not getting married. You're not going to be grandparents. I did get a D in math, and I just want you to keep it in perspective. <laughs> Smart girl. It, putting life in perspective, this Christmas, this Advent 2010, is very similar and yet very different than that first Advent. As Mary was traveling on her way, this time down from Nazareth towards Bethlehem. At that time, it was so, so dark. God's people were occupied by this invading military machine by the name of the Roman Empire. God's people at that time were under such incredible economic stress. We think we have a bad economy. At that time, the inflation rate was anywhere 30 to 40 percent. Why? Because Rome had this cute little custom of when they invaded you, they charged you for the expense of invading you. This was a time of great darkness, sorrow, and pain. If you lived to 35 years old, that was the average lifespan in the first century. They died of things that you and I, a simple round of amoxicillin would take care of. And in the middle of this darkness, there was all these feelings of darkness. Darkness brings about a sense of cold. In Palestine and Israel there, when the, unless you're warm by the sun or a fire, you can freeze at night. There's a sense of blindness. In the dark. You don't know the person coming as friend or foe. Do they mean you harm or not? You can't tell about hazards in the road as you're walking. There's a sense really of loneliness and darkness. That you're all there alone. And there's this frantic sense of life itself is leaving. And it's in the middle of that darkness that the celebration of the light of life comes. Any of you that are Jewish or Muslim or Hindu... You likewise celebrate light, and I believe this is a pointing of the direction towards Christ. Our Jewish friends right now are celebrating Hanukkah. Hanukkah, you know the menorah is nine as opposed to theoretically it's seven, because of the miracle of the eight nights, that when they rededicated the temple, 
that the oil was only supposed to last one night and it lasted eight. And that's why your Jewish friends like that. There's Diwali, the Hindu feast, the great celebration of all the different gods. They have millions and millions of them, but it is light itself and they light all the candles that they can and they throw different colors on each other. When Carol and I were back in Israel a few weeks ago when we were in the Palestinian Authority, I was surprised these Muslim houses have all these lights on them. I thought that can't be Christmas and they said no. It's Eid al-Adda, which is the celebration of the Feast of the Sacrifice. When Abraham offered, they say Ishmael, was Isaac up and they celebrated this time with light. And of course, at Christmas. Whether you are a Christian, whether you are Catholic, Orthodox, or Protestant, whether you don't even believe in Walt Disney, people in America put up lights for Christmas because light is this great celebration, this radiance. And it's fascinating that in the middle of this darkness, and darkness has one emotional response tied to it, fear. And it is in this fear that God comes in His radiance. He first of all reveals the mechanics of fear itself. Why do we feel what we feel? God shows His light of why we do. And second of all, He shows in His radiance the victory over our fear by faith. That the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot put it out. So don't be afraid. God has done the revealing, but you and I have to do the responding. And the Lord shows us in this beautiful truth of what God has done. When you look back throughout the Old Testament, and you look back in these prophecies of the coming of the Messiah, the Messiah, the Anointed One, and you see, and particularly one in particular, King David. And David, I love you. I love the honesty of the writers of Scripture. No other holy book in the world is like that. It shows their sins, their worries. And David is like an open book. My goodness, for a Bronze Era document, this is from 1000 B.C., he is unbelievable in sharing what he feels. In fact, you got your Bible. Turn with me over to the 37th Psalm. It's on page 443 in your pew Bible. And David shows this dynamic of fear. You could, David is a great read. And particularly, and you see in this anointed one that God said, your throne will last forever, is why Jesus is called the son of David. That is in the lineage of David. But here he writes this. Uh, remember I said psalms are made to be read out loud? And when, it, memorize this and learn to read it out loud. When you're stuck in traffic, it helps you get, you know, concentration. When you're standing in light at Trader Joe's, just start reading a psalm and out loud and people will leave. You have the line right in front of you, so just learn this. But let's read verses 1 through 9 together out loud. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. That's a great beginning of this psalm. David says, do not fret 
when you see darkness winning. Don't worry. The great question of the Old Testament is why do the wicked prosper? The great question of the New Testament is why do the righteous suffer? But the Old Testament, though Job certainly is a righteous suffering book, one of the oldest books, but it's really why do the wicked prosper? Like I've said in Los Angeles, I don't wonder why the wicked prosper. Why do the stupid prosper? Have you noticed that? But you're saying, Lord, that's just not just in that. And David says, and you look at this, this whole anatomy of fear. Do not fret because of the wicked. They're going to pass. Trust in the Lord and you'll live. Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your word. Commit. Now, on why you and I feel what we feel, you are an incredible creation of God. And God gave us this incredible brain up here. As I said a couple of weeks ago, you have a trillion connections sitting in your skull right now. That's as many as the stars in the Milky Way. And some of us use two or three of those connections a week as they're sitting there. But God has given us two brains, not a right and left, but a thinking and a feeling brain. And brain mapping in the last 15 to 20 years has shown us something that science never expected. Right now, as I'm talking, something is going on in you. Some of you are catching up with your sleep. But the others of you, what is going on is you're hearing my nasal twang hit your head. And two things are taking place. One, any stimulation that comes to you, your brain processes straight to a feeling memory bundle as well as to a thinking. Some of it goes to your hippocampus, your amygdala there that has emotional memories. When I stepped up here, you had two things going on. One, you went through your files to see, do I recognize? Yeah, I know that stumpy guy. I know him. The next thing you did, though, simultaneously is you said, what do I feel about him? And this is the mechanism God has given it's very fast, it's very sloppy. So an animal doesn't have to analyze, is this something that I should run from? Is this something I should eat? Is this something I should be concerned about? Your emotional memories are very fast, and they're also very sloppy. So you and I respond to things before we even think about them at times. And the whole process of becoming like Christ is learning what to laugh at and what to cry over what to be happy over, and what to be upset over. And one of the things that God keeps saying is, don't worry, don't be afraid. Now, you can say that consciously, but once that, you've got an emotional reasoning going on that says, no, be very afraid of this. I can remember uh, my brother, he was a rock climber, we were in Colorado, my younger brother, and he was going to get me into this, and so he was teaching us to do atrias, you know, where you're supported on the rocks you're climbing on. And so we were up Boulder Canyon, a place called Castle Rock one time. Remember, he showed me this route, and so we went on up, and we went there. And I went up this route behind him. I was cleaning as he was going, and I got stuck. I couldn't make it. And I looked around, and I realized, what was I doing? And you know when you're legged in, it starts to get that sewing machine? And you think, if you don't stop, we're in trouble. And so... He climbed back down because Mark, and I, you know, you're flipped out. I want to watch. Watch where I put my place, but you can do this. So he climbed. I went, wow. No, no. <laughs> and I just sat there, and then he came back down. He said, Mark, I, I just want to tell you one thing. If you don't move, you're going to die. And then he climbed up, and I followed right after him, right after that. <laughs> well, once, though, you get that bundle going along, that you really become, you're kind of going for a ride in that. That's why you emotionally bundle in new ways the more you know the Lord. You get to a situation and you don't have the money. You don't have any friends. The job's just horrible. You don't know if that test coming back is cancerous, malignant or not. And you're going, 
But when, as David says, he's an older king writing this, and he looks back, he goes, now don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God will provide. He has. As he said to Goliath, Goliath is this warrior, this super warrior, and he's just an adolescent. And he says, the God who delivered me from the hand of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver you into my hands. Most of us, like we say, would say, this guy's too big to take on. David picked up some stones and said, this guy's head's too big to miss. You know, and just let it go. Why did he have that kind of courage? Because he had seen in the past. And unless you and I step out in faith and obedient to the Lord, we'll always be worried that God doesn't work. The moment we start stepping out, even in the times when God has allowed things to break and our hearts fall apart, when you get through that and you realize, oh my goodness, you do the brewer salute. God is really trustworthy in that. When you look back at the, this prologue which we looked at, the beginning of In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. It's really a hymn. It's kind of like verses, if you will, in a poem. If you look at this, you break this down, it's really four different things in this first prologue, which we saw a little bit last week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word God. By the way, that Greek word for beginning means before time. And you read sermons throughout the ages, and people say, well, time has always been. Until you get to 20th century physics and you realize time and space itself is in this creation behind, this big bang, which science calls God's creation. God, Jesus was before the creation. The Word is with God. The Word is God. All things were made through Him and without anything made that was made. It's the Word in creation, just like in the book of Breshit, Barach, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The Word in the world, and He came into the world, the true light that lightens every man. And the world knew Him not. He came to His own home, and His own people received Him not. That the Word came into this world. You and I are celebrating as we get ready to come to this communion table. That the light came into the world. And all who believed in Him, who did receive Him, He gave the power to become the sons and daughters of God, who were born not of the blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. The people and the Word, the community of God. So you see this beautiful hymn that John is writing as the Spirit of God inspires him. Matthew begins with the genealogy to prove that he is the son of David, that he is fulfillment. Mark comes along in the beginning, the gospel and his action begins at his baptism. Luke talks about how God arranged things. He goes how Rome and this decree was given and how why Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. John thinks, like I said, you've read one of those, and he says, no, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overtake it. So as you and I walk into this life this next day, as we go into this city or wherever your home is, as you walk with the Lord, there is a sense of this inextinguishableness, and darkness has two things about it. If you look at this next slide up here in the Greek, which we've been... Looking at, and the light, the phos, ente, scati, in the darkness shines, fane, light, see, photon, shine, shine. In the darkness, auto, now this is great, does not, katalabang. And that word can either, cannot overtake it, it means to grab hold of. When you say to somebody, capish, did you get it? Did you get it? You get what? Do you understand? We come to communion, the Greek word that 
Paul used, the Rabbi Saul of Tarsus, he said, For this I received from the Lord. And the word is katalambeno, which means hand-delivered. It's almost like this rabbi of rabbis. He had done Passover so many times that Jesus himself had to explain to him the new meaning in communion. Now, we know that Paul wasn't walking with Jesus every day. He did meet the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. And at other times he said, Now I, the Lord revealed this to him and showed this to me. And this word lambano, not only does the darkness not put it out, the darkness can't comprehend light. When I think back to my life, when I gave my life to Christ after high school, after I'd done the, the stupid phase, the jerk phase of life, and ran away from all the things of God, and my friends, I was the only, well, actually two of us, of ten of us, became Christian. And I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, I said, Lord, if you're so tough, why don't you take my life and change it? And afterwards I thought, how can anybody believe this stuff? Now, at age 56, the longer I've walked with the Lord, honestly, how can people not believe this? I mean, it's nothing explains the world like the gospel. All the other faiths, great faiths that they are, well-meaning people, nothing explains that God made the world right. Sin entered the world and it is broken. God has not left the world alone. He is making it right again. I, sociology, psychology, not only does not anything explain history, who explains me? Who explains you? I spent a lot of money getting degrees in these things. And nothing explains it like my old nature and my new nature. Do you know your new nature has never sinned? Not once. Made completely after the image of Christ. It's our old nature with its infection and flaws and pettiness and self-centeredness and the toxicness of living for ourselves gets in the way. And someday that old nature is going to be taken away completely. But as we bundle together our memories and we know who we are, God wants to put in the very middle of that trust, faith. I like what Mark Twain said. He said, as you get older, a clear conscience is a sign of a bad memory. <laughs> we feel good about ourselves. Why? Because we forget all the things that we have done. And yet God comes in this sense of this inextinguishable light. And faith is not wishful optimism. Faith is holding on to a greater reality in the face of a lesser reality. And that's what this light is all about. My uh, son-in-law, who is uh, doing research for the uh, new engines to replace the uh, space shuttle, and he's an upper atmosphere guy, you know, he's telling me the other day that this flame is not really the flame. The flame is the hot part. What you're seeing here, this yellow, is the burnt hydrocarbons. But, you know, it's still pretty hot. But the actual flame is already... That's why in a pure flame, like a hydrogen flame, you can't see it. It's invisible. It's the after effect of the flame that your eyes and my see. In the same way, the pureness of God, who in the Scriptures say dwells in unapproachable light, it's almost an indistinguishable light. That God is so pure and holy... But he so loved his creation, he came and he gave us what he was like in his son. Jesus came and was born. Every other faith, and I love my Jewish friends, they don't understand the Messiah has come. But any other faith, my Hindu friends, I've got those. Muslim friend, guy that runs a dry cleaner, a great friend, very devout Muslim. My Buddhist friends, they don't have history. They've got teachings. 
This is born, this is falsifiable history. It's either true or it's a lie. And God came into this world in His Son, Jesus Christ. And when Mary, as she was traveling right now, the old Jewish girl from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, she doesn't know what she's, she knows that her baby is different because she's a virgin and she knows that this child has been prophesied by Gabriel. But when she delivers of this child, she doesn't deliver a pure being in the sense of not without flesh. But he's a baby like anybody. He's just like a toddler. Jesus had to learn everything just like you did. One difference. No sin in him. The Son of God gave up all of his omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence. And he was still all holy, true, and love. But Jesus was a baby like any baby. If he's a toddler, if you threw a ball at him, he wouldn't freeze at midair. It'd bounce off his head. They had to teach Jesus. Except one difference. Think how hard this would be for Mary. He never talked back once. No sin. You imagine how hard it would be to raise a child with no sin? It was hard for my mother, too. But it was, uh, no. <laughs> no problem there. Uh, but this sense of that he was and he lived his life and he... It was a carpenter and the word technon. We get technology from it. He worked with rock. There's a lot of rock in Palestine. When we go over there, we'll show you besides wood. He was, a, in that will, a craftsman. And he lived his life. And at age 30, he went. And as he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And they heard God speak. And he lived and he started opening the eyes of the blind. And healing the lepers. And feeding the 5,000. And raising the dead. And his close friend betrayed him. Sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. About $32. And they put him and they put a mockery of a trial. And they hang him on that cross. And he is hanging there on that cross, and the first thing he cries out, he who did not want to go there more than any of us can ever imagine. He who knew no sin became the sin of the world. And it, he cries out, Lord, for, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And after six indescribable eternity and six hours on that cross, he finally screams out his last words. And what is it? To tell us, die. It is finished. Not I am finished, it is finished. Mark's sins are paid for before I was ever here. Your sins are paid for before we had ever committed them. If we take him up on this deal. And in this time, as David said, fret not. He knew God was faithful, but he had no idea the wonder what God would do. And that's why you and I are called to go and to help the poor and people that are lonely. To give our money to the cause of Christ and loving others. That's why we're called when people are flipping out and saying mean things about us to respond with love and to be a class act about it. We don't need to worry. That's why when we come in our family that won't even return a phone call or an email, we're so estranged from them and they're breaking our heart that we don't need to have to make it right. We just keep responding. You keep lighting up. You keep shining the light, not on our own power, but God's through us. As we get ready to come to this table, this covenant table, we get an understanding, and darkness can't understand it. Your friends that don't know the Lord yet, they think you being in here is just flat out weird. We're in here talking to our imaginary friend in the sky and hoping that life is all right. They don't get it at all. But yet every time you pray for them, and every time you say, you know, and you ask your relatives that are coming, that know that you have, that you're a Jesus weirdo now, 
Say, why don't you come with me to church on Christmas Eve? And they go, all right. Say, because why? Because God's forgiven me and he loves me. You plant that seed. Their head hits that pillow at night and the Holy Spirit knocks. And they know there's a God. And they know they've sinned. And they know there is need. One Christmas in 1944, a little town outside of occupied Austria, Basil Mitchell tells the story of some of the resistance leaders that were fighting against the Germans, against the Nazis. And the underground there, one gentleman said he wanted to fight against them, not just to go along. And they said, you'll meet with the leader. We'll never tell you his name. One time you can meet with him. We'll never see each other again. They took him to a little restaurant outside of the town. And, and there as he sat there, a German colonel with the SS stars came walking in. He thought, they sold me out. And he took off his hat. He said, I am the leader of the resistance. If you have any questions, you ask now. We'll never talk again. You'll never see me again. You'll never understand exactly what I'm doing. When you see me arrest somebody, you'll have no idea that I'm letting them go on the other side of town. When we come and we raid a Jewish family and take them off, you'll have no idea that we're taking them to a safe place. When you see us lining up the troops, you'll have no idea we're sending them to the wrong place. So if you have any questions, you ask now. We've never seen each other after this. In a way, the resistance, you and I, this is the kingdom of darkness, but light shines in the middle of it. And our job where there is hate, to sow some love. Where there is a wall of division, to try to make peace. And God says, you have any questions, you ask now. You're not going to understand what I do with your life. You won't understand. And you won't understand what I'm doing with other people's lives. It doesn't matter. But you come to this table and the one question we ask, can I trust you? And he takes us to this cross and he says, what do you think? The light shines in the darkness. Don't be afraid. Fear not. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness doesn't get it. And the darkness can't stop it.